great big good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you here today. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair here at New Church Live. And, and it's a, this is a fun service to be preaching on and, and fun to be thinking about how, how it all works with this concept of freedom, which is what we've been looking at. And then the idea I think that's, that's so interesting is to think of is, is so much of freedom in many of our minds, in mine, in yours, in many of ours, is the freedom to do whatever we want to do. That's not necessarily spiritual freedom, though, because some of the things we want to do are not good things. But how instead do we sort of breathe and settle into a much deeper freedom that's actually God's freedom? That's actually God's freedom. And settle into that, that freedom where we can live into a place where we become our best selves. It's interesting, you know, yesterday, or excuse me, Friday, having a wedding and, and talking about the idea of joy and hope. And I think we could throw freedom in here too. So much of how I imagine the spiritual journey to be is to move away from conditional definitions of those three things. In other words, I will have joy when. I will have hope when. I will have freedom when, and you could fill in the blank. I think, you know, I'm 58, so I'll freedom when I finally retire, whenever that might be. But spiritual freedom is something different. It's where instead of seeing it as a product over here, something that results from all these circumstances aligning, we push it back to here and we say, no, 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 I, I can actually be free now, today. I can make decisions from that freedom, which is really making decisions from God's freedom. I can choose joy. I can choose joy now, and, and that joy can become how I make my decisions in life. I can choose hope now, and hope can be how I make those decisions in life. I think if we don't do that, the, the challenge is, folks, is that we'll be, we'll be setting ourselves up for waiting for all the conditions to happen, and they just never do. I mean, it sounds like a little bit of an aside, but what popped in my mind was being at the eighth grade dance at Knock High School in Western Pennsylvania. And I was sure I'd finally be able to ask a girl when all these things aligned, then I'd be able to ask her to dance. And guess what? You don't dance much if you're waiting for all those things to happen. But if we can shift it and, and try to understand freedom in a different way and to really see what's the freedom that God's offering us, it, it, can be a, it can be a real a real fascinating turn in our spiritual lives, a real way to, I mean, so much of the beauty of spirituality to me is, is where we take this thing and it just, we just spin it a little bit. And you know, my mind, <laughs> a lot of my mind was just, uh, just what somebody shared, a quote somebody share, shared, tell the truth, whatever it, however beautiful it might be. I like that idea. Uh, tell the truth, regardless of how beautiful it might be. It's like that's a, that's a spiritual thing where it just shifts a little bit. And that's what we're going to try to do today is just shift how we see freedom a little bit differently. And what I want to start with, and it's, it's actually we pulled apart from a number of different sermons that, that we've talked about. But I, these, these seem to relate back to, again, how this all works with freedom. This goes back to one of my favorite theologians, Miroslav Volf, and he's a professor at Yale, and, and what he has his students answer, he has them answer the question, what at Yale is a life worth living? Now, my apologies in advance to all Yale graduates. It's an interesting question, and what he, what he said was he, he poses this question to his students, and he says the end result inevitably is they find, and I like this word, he says they oftentimes find the answer in the end when they really look at it. Listen to this word, vacuous. Vacuous means it's, it's empty. Like, is that really it? Is that really what makes life worth living? And, and I think it's an important question for us to ask. What at, and you could fill in the blank, is a life worth living? And, and, and I think we can find those, those institutions, those groups, those friends who remind us of what is actually a life worth living. And it's not that our lives that aren't worth living. I mean, I'm really convinced, like, we're never off the path. The path is just, God's got the path, and we will spend time off the path and time on the path. But it's an important question just for us to be asking, for us to be thinking about. When you think about what, what freedom actually is, and we're going to start out with this point, and then we're going to come back to it in a minute here, is, is think of folks' freedom. True freedom is this. True freedom is where we can step into a place in our lives, a place in our lives 
where thought kind of stops. We're not all into our thinking brain anymore. We're into a place where some people would call it flow. Some people would call it divine providence. You could call it any number of things where we're just kind of in it. And we're feeling completely free. It's, it's this freedom, and it's the free, free to be, might be a way to say it, but it's not the freedom to be just whatever we want to be. Again, because some of the things we want to be aren't necessarily good and healthy things. But it's this freedom to really be. And I'm really stressing that. To be. To be here. Here's where I am. And, and it even allows us this kind of freedom. It even allows us a, a, a very empowering ownership when we're in a bad place. Yeah, I'm free to be. And here I am in this challenging spot, and I just know I want to get out of this spot. I just can't seem to. It seems this is, this is maybe where God wants me to be for a little bit. I'm just going to be that for a little bit. I'm just going to be sad for a little bit, or I'm going to grieve for a little bit, or I'm going to be upset for a little bit. I'm not going to let it own me, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be with it. That's a very different kind of freedom because it allows us to live a life that is, that is largely unfettered. A life where we don't feel like we're, we're, uh, we're in trouble. A life where we feel like we're not like all shackled or, or manacled. It's, it's a life where it brings our best selves. Folks, and we all have that best self. Every single one of you, whether you're here in our studio audience or you're joining us from across the country online, like every single one of you has that best self, that angel self, that part actually that's already in heaven, which I think is a pretty cool concept. And that's where the freedom really is centered. It is within those better angels of our nature. So as we go through today's service, just think about what that freedom could be like for you and think about what does it look like to actually live into it in new and empowering ways. And maybe just see, maybe, 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 maybe we can just turn the dial just a little bit to see it just a little differently as we move into the week ahead. So, welcome. Welcome, friends, to New Church Live. at your heels and there's so much coming at you you don't know how to feel when they're taking all your money and come back for your clothes and your hands are full of thorns but you can't quit groping for the roads in the Southland of the heart everyone was always free lie down take your rest with me When thoughts you've tried to leave behind Keep sniping from the dark When the fire burns inside you And you jump from every spark When your heart's beset by memories You wish you never made And the sun comes up an enemy And nothing gives you shade in the Southland of the heart Everyone was always free Lie down 
Take your rest with me When the preacher lays his inside down and claims to lead the blind When those you trust just get you hooked and trifle with your mind When the nightmare's creeping closer and your wheels are in the mud And everything's ambiguous except the taste of blood in the Southland of the heart, everyone was always free. Lie down, take your rest with me. In the Southland of the heart, everyone was always free. Lie down, take your rest with me. Church Live, it's Angela. I just want to encourage you all to make a donation before the end of June. Our fiscal year ends at the end of June and we have $192,000 left to raise. And some people have asked me to get a little bit more granular. As I've said before, your donations fuel everything that happens here, meaning all of your contributions are what make Sunday possible, the 10 minutes of calm, small group programming, um, Advent kits that come out at Christmas time, all of the community service initiatives that we do and all of the things that happen here. And if you're wondering how much should I consider giving, um, really it's about $20 a week per person. So if you're watching this service, we would encourage you to consider giving $20 to New Church Live. And over time throughout the year, that contribution adds up. So, you know, if 190 people make a $1,000 contribution by the end of the year, we could meet our goal. And we actually have a very large reach. A lot of you watched this service back, you know, later in the week, later in the year, later in the, you know, you know, you name it. So we just encourage you to all consider making a donation. And um, if everyone gives $20 a week, if every person who watches this video gives $20, you can make a difference and it adds up. Um, so if you wanna make a donation, you can do it all the usual ways. You can go to our website, and there's a donation tab. You can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase, to 77977. Um, and we hope you'll consider making a donation. And if you want to set up a reoccurring donation so you don't have to think about it, that's what I've done. And it makes a huge difference. It takes something off of my to-do list. Um, so we encourage you to consider making a donation. Like I said, $20 for every video you watch makes a huge difference. Um, so we hope that helps you put it into context for how we operate here. If you have any questions or you want to talk more about this, I'm happy to answer them. And I'm happy here to chat about stuff like that. So I hope you all have a good week. And I know that we can meet our goal together. Thank you, Angela. So, so this idea, this idea of freedom, and it's, it's a fascinating thing to, to start to dive into, like what actually is freedom? And we live in a culture that says, well, it's certainly not obligation, but maybe even obligation is part of something with freedom. And, and that, yeah, you know, what's, what's going through my mind is how many times like those things that I find bring me the most freedom, I really don't want to necessarily do right up front. 
So let's do a little deeper dive. Let's take a look at this. Well, well one, of the, one of the parts we've talked about a lot here at New Church Live is, is one of the things about culture is, is, is church should always not be anti-culture, but it should also have a commentary that's going to help us move culture forward. And here's one of those commentary statements. We live in a culture where it's very much about what do you desire? It's not so much about asking, do you desire the right things? I think those are two very different questions. And that question of do you desire the right thing, it, it brings up this idea, what actually is worth desiring? That same thing, what at Yale is worth living, what is actually worth, design, worth, worth desiring? Freedom is not always about what you desire, but about what is worth desiring. I mean, that is, that is where freedom really comes from. And we can sort of hone in on what actually brings us the most freedom in our lives. And it's, it's an important thing, you know, when you look at that answer, not to rush to it because, because there can sort of be a headiness. Oh, if I just had this, then I would finally be free. I just, I laugh sometimes because imagine many of us do this, right? Where we, we sort of negotiate with God. We're like, God, just one winning lottery ticket and then I'm good. All right, we just have that one thing and then we'll be fine. And then we get that one thing, be that fried shrimp or whatever, and we're not fine. It didn't buy us the freedom that we thought it would. And that's because spiritual freedom is a different thing. I, I love history, as many of you know, and there's this famous story that's worthwhile sharing again. It's the story of Albert Speer. This is a picture of Albert Speer here. Albert Speer is there. He's the second from the, uh, second from the left. He was an architect in Germany during World War II, and, and Hitler kind of brought him under his wing and, and gave him all this money and acclaim and fame and fortune, gave him all these things, power, prestige, possession, the big three Ps, gave him all these things. And we all know how that turned out. You know, it didn't turn out well. Uh, Albert Speer wrote a very famous book later on in life called Inside the Third Reich, in which he, he talks about like how challenging it was and how he just, he was like under a trance. He was under a trance during those years. And what he said, and this was beautiful, he said, he said in explaining how he got caught up in the Nazi movement and explaining it to his daughter, he had these beautiful words. He, was, he said, I was not a man who could resist such things. Oh, that's powerful. I was not a man who could resist such things. See, he got everything he desired, but he failed to ask the question, was it worth desiring? Had he literally sold his soul? Now again, that's part of life's journey. I think we will all make those mistakes. His journey more dramatic than many of ours. But it's, but it's interesting, right? Just, just, just imagine the, the humility it takes to say that. The humility it takes not to make an excuse, but, but just to finally say like, yeah, I, I couldn't resist that stuff. When we look at that, folks, the words, and I have them here in capitals on my, on my notes, you know, that's an example of a man, Albert Speer, who was not free. He was not free. Now, he goes on to find freedom again later on in life, but that's, that's where, again, we start to just twist the view just a little bit. It's not all about what you desire. It's about learning to desire the right things and prayerfully searching into those things so that we find what true freedom is. Now, one of the beautiful parts of it, and I loved this. I loved this, I loved this, I loved this. So, went out to a, to a concert. Philadelphia, Philadelphia Orchestra, Philadelphia Orchestra. And there's, when the, when the orchestra all lines up, right, they have all their chairs, and then there's one chair that's left empty. Everyone comes out, according, and, and the conductor comes out. And then the last person to come on stage is the person who's called the first violinist. And the first violinist takes a seat, everybody applauds this person, and then they stand up, and then they play a note. And everybody tunes into that note. That is such a good sermon in a box, right? <laughs> right there. It's beautiful, right? The idea that, that here we all are, when this orchestra of life, all of us have different instruments that sound very, very, very different. I mean, when you listen to music, remember, you know, the bass person playing a, playing a cello and the person playing percussion, you wouldn't know those blend together, but that's what God does. They sound so different 
But when you surrender to the music, it works. But in order for us to surrender to the music, we have to find a space in our life for that first violinist who can hit that one pure note. And it's just, it's just for like a couple of seconds. But when we hear that one pure note and we tune ourselves to it, it creates this freedom of the performance. That, it's almost, it's, it's like one of those things like, oh, that's so good. I could almost just preach an hour just on that. Because I think there's something there for us. And it's, it's something there for us to think about, you know, who or what is your first violinist? Do you have one? Do you have that note? And, and my guess is that we all do. And that, that, that when we hear that, that note is where we can start to truly find freedom. Now, the Bible offers some fascinating insights on it. One I want to share with you is this, is this beautiful one from Luke 14, talking about what actual freedom is. And it's a different way to define it. One Sabbath, and on Sabbath, you weren't supposed to do anything. You weren't supposed to do anything. And Jesus was constantly doing stuff on the Sabbath, by the way. That was one of his ways of sort of bucking the system, so to speak. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So, so in other words, Jesus is, is going over to, to a clergyman, going over to, to meet a member of the clergy, and this member of the clergy has all his panel of auditors there gathered around, and they're going to see what Jesus does. So they've set up a little test for him here. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now that's interesting. Jesus constantly asking this question. Like here's somebody in obvious distress and here are all these people sitting around and you know what they're doing? A whole bunch of nothing. Not doing anything because they're following the rules. Rules say to do nothing. Man's in obvious distress. Jesus asked the question, well, what should we do here? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Now that, that again, that silence. I, I look at that silence not as like a stunned silence. I look at that silence just as sort of like, yeah, the answer is obvious, no. The answer is so obvious that you don't do anything on the Sabbath, period, including healing others. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. So Jesus does this healing thing, doesn't ask a lot of questions, just goes over, heals him. Then Jesus asked them, these Pharisees, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So we see silence kind of happening in two ways there because I think that they saw what the right answer was. Now, now it's interesting when we look at this, folks, looking at this and looking at this through a Christian new church lens, our lives, we find freedom when we find conscience. I want to say that again. We find freedom when we find conscience. And what is, what is that conscience? Well, that conscience is that small little voice inside of us where we just know when something doesn't quite past the smell test. And we find ourselves leaning into act. Now, conscience is not, it doesn't spin a lot in our brains. I imagine most of us have, probably all of you have done something where you just did it out of conscience because it was just the right thing. You just did it. You didn't debate it. You didn't think it over. You didn't, you know, paralysis by analysis, no, no spinning in your head. You just did it. Now let's juxtapose that with what we see here. Well, what we see here is we we see a group who is so dedicated to the law and to ritual. And it's interesting, Manuel Swinburg says, yeah, that's the challenge when you get so dedicated to ritual, so dedicated to ritual that you forget about conscience. So dedicated to law that you forget about people. So dedicated to doing it just so perfectly and just right, believing that's how you find God. You realize, no, you find God when you act when you lean in as best you can, wherever you are, and just help. I mean, that idea, God puts you in the worlds. You are in the worlds that you're supposed to heal. Some of that might be big and fancy, but a lot of it's going to look, most of it's going to look pretty mundane. 
And, and I don't think in, in our culture today, you know, I was thinking in our culture today, that probably isn't a challenge for a lot of people in the same way because we're not, we don't live in a highly ritualized culture, at least religiously ritualized. But we do have patterns. All of us have these rote patterns that are our rituals where we just keep on rinse, wash, repeat, just, you know, rinse, wash, repeat, just ritual, 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 these patterns in our lives that even those can sometimes become laws. They can become, this is just the way we do it. This is just how it goes. I'm not gonna let anything disturb me. But the reality is, folks, conscience will constantly disturb you. I'm sure we could list any number of great movies that do that. That, that somebody just having a regular life and all of a sudden like there's this interruption in it. And it's an interruption that comes down to conscience. Letting your conscience be your guide. We know that movie. I think, folks, here too, this gets back to what Miroslav Wolf was saying when he was talking about colleges. And, and I think that's, again, where we, can, where we can have this ritualized pattern, and the pattern can be so ingrained in our, so ingrained in our lives that we find it almost impossible to change or to shift. But we have to allow that voice of conscience in. With allowing that voice of conscience in and not, allowing, not just being stuck on ritual, I think to a famous, a very famous picture, you know, again, I think from American history way back in the day, uh, it's an example I use a lot because I think it was so incredibly powerful. There are places out west where you can see where they were riding, they were riding wagons out west in the 1800s and the same wagons were going over the same trails for so long that literally they wore a groove in stone in certain places. So you can still see them today. And that became sort of the 1800s version of cruise control. <laughs> literally, you could just go into the rut and just like take the hands off the horses, just let them go. And there's good things about that, obviously. But I also think, yeah, there's a metaphor there too about when we can get so stuck in a rut around just our normal pattern of behavior that we miss what conscience might be telling us to do. And again, I wanna reinforce, like I think conscience a lot of the time, folks, it's not always big and heroic. It's oftentimes very small, very small and very personal. I think what we want to move from is conscience versus ritual to conscience and ritual. Where we end up, where we end up having these patterns in our life, where we have some rituals in our life that actually take us back to conscience, take us back to what really matters. And maybe help us to focus around the right things. I'm gonna come back to this, but that focusing around the right things, of course it's gonna be a little bit costly. Of course it is. I mean, maybe that's how we know we're focusing on the right things. Maybe we know we're focusing on the right things when we realize we don't want to do it. That may be one of the better tests of that we're on the right path. It is interesting, folks. I think about this beautiful line here from Viktor Frankl. Famous book, Man's Search for Meaning. Probably many of you read it. If you haven't, highly recommend reading it. He's a Holocaust, was a Holocaust survivor. He talked a lot about his experiences there and really shifted so much so much of how we see things. And I love this, this beautiful statement about freedom. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I wanna say that again. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So that idea that, that you know, when, when we ritualize things so much, we can get sort of into a muscle memory where we're just automatically reacting over, ka-dunk, 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 like a, like a flat tire. But we're so used to it, we don't even know the tire's flat anymore. We just keep on going, ka-dunk, ka-dunk, ka-dunk. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Between everything, between stimulus and response, between the event and your reaction to it, there's this, I mean, it's such big spiritual stuff, folks. Vent and reaction. A lot of people, in my experience, and me included, I imagine many of us, we believe there's no distance between the event and our response. Why? Because we're so sure we're right. <laughs> well, this happened, so of course I needed to react like this. Well, maybe sometimes that's true, but maybe sometimes it's not. 
And maybe we need to take the events and responses in our life, the stimulus and the response, maybe we just need to break it apart just a little bit and just maybe interject a little curiosity. I wonder what God's trying to teach here. This is simple stuff, folks. God, give me your eyes to see this. If you're in a relationship that's constantly, constantly about an event and then an immediate reaction, maybe just pushing it apart enough to ask a question. Tell me more. Help me understand. Things we've talked about a lot from this stage, but it's just that, just that easing part because folks, until we start to push those things apart, even just a little bit, we're gonna have a hard time finding freedom. And isn't it interesting, you know, a lot of people will talk about, well, what does prayer really do? And is it worthwhile praying? Well, like, yes, because <laughs> prayer can fill that little spot. Prayer can fill that little spot. I think for myself, you know, a beautiful prayer is, you know, again, the, the, the wisdom prayer, uh, you know, God grant me the serenity. You all know the serenity prayer. And there's another prayer that talks about relieve me of the bondage of self. Or just simply not my will, God, but yours. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me what you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self so I may better do your will. See, folks, that's a prayer that just breaks it apart a little bit. We're not setting up our prayer life in a way that's going to yield a whole bunch of answers. But we're setting up our prayer life in a way that, ready for this, it's just going to offer softness. Just softness. Strangely, it will probably offer you more of what you don't know and at the same time, paradoxically, will draw you into what you actually know at your very core, what you know at the level of your soul. In that moment, folks, that moment, that little, that little minute becomes a moment. It becomes a portal into something else. So we split these two things apart and this becomes a portal I think into heaven. I think in the, that's how heaven works. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, this question, you know, how can, I, how can I structure my life? How can we structure our lives to have more true freedom? And, and even folks, like, like, don't be shy there of the word obligation. Like, what are the obligations I can take on that will actually bring me more freedom in life, more freedom in my relationship, more freedom with those I love. What does that look like? Because, this is a little bit of an aside here, you know, we have a lot of young couples at New Church Live, and granted, the vast majority of them watch online, and I think about, about young kids, and you know, you're raising a young family, it just is so like, stimulus response, event reaction, it's, oh, that gets, it just gets crushing sometimes, because it gets so tightly woven. And there's, there's a way in which, again, when we just can, can break it apart just a little bit and try to find structures, even structures in our families that bring just a little bit more freedom. I know when, I, and this just comes to my mind, like, I have such a good dad, such a good guy. Not perfect, not perfect at all. He'd be the first one to say that. No, he's, he's 94 years old. And, and he was Marines, he was in the army, he, he wrestled with some temper issues. Again, he'd be the first one to say that. And I can still remember the ritual he would have. You know, we would, we would we'd have, we'd butt heads, you know, because I am every bit his son. <laughs> and we would butt heads when I was a little kid. And so I got into trouble all the time, got punished. And, and I could just, still to this day, I can hear it right now. I can hear my dad walking up the stairs, knowing it was his footfalls on the stairs, because I always knew he would come back to apologize and to try to make it better. And it wasn't apologies for being a bad dad, it was just apologies that we had been doing this. I loved those moments. That ritual was formative in my life because it just broke it apart just a little bit. 
It just created this little sliver of space. And folks, it created freedom. Again, that's not the freedom. You know, Jesus talks about, I, I'm not going to give you what the world gives you. I'm going to give you something else. It, it, it does give something else, a different kind of freedom, a different way to be that's incredibly powerful. And I know when I look back at, at my upbringing, I think, yeah, that was the first violin. That was that note that there would always be this note of forgiveness and reconciliation in our family. That's powerful. What, what's, what could that be for you? You know, where, are, where could you ritualize things a little bit more to find the freedom? In other words, and you could really say that is to find love because when we're, when we're, when we're literally in love, in God's love, working in God's love, allowing God's love to work through us, that's where we're most free because that was how the code was written. <laughs> that was how the program was designed. You know, what's that for you? I, I think about some other ones at, at New Church Live that I've, that I've seen over the years. Again, folks, we have a beautiful group that goes down to St. Francis Inn a lot. And, and we used to do a lot more back in the day when, we had a, when most people were in person. That's, it's harder to do now than most people online. But we do have those opportunities. Well worthwhile to take a look on our homepage to find those and sign up for them and just get into a ritual. Maybe your ritual is, is only doing those if you're called to it. Maybe it's just doing those once a year even. It makes a huge difference. Just simple rituals. Another ritual that I love, that I've spoken of many times here, is we have a number of small groups, you know, I'm a member of two of them, that meet once a month for dinner. I love those dinners. The conversations are so rich. You know, and here's the freedom that happens there. Well, first off, I'm gonna, you know, sort of pre and post. First off with those dinners, this is why I, I, I would urge us all to think, don't think that just doing whatever you want is real freedom. Because let me tell you, anytime those dinners come up and I'm busy, the first thing I want to chuck, no pun intended, is that dinner. Last thing I want to do is to give up a weekday night to go have dinner somewhere else. I mean, that's just, I just know that's what's going to happen. And most of the time, because other people are showing up and there's this little nudge of obligation, we get together and I'm sure everyone else is feeling the same way. But then there's this beautiful freedom that happens there, folks. And the freedom there that's been ritualized is like, oh wow, you're every bit as goofy as I am. You struggle with the same things I do. You grieve the same people I might grieve. You, you are challenged by the same things I'm challenged by, where, where we're constantly seeing out there, we're constantly seeing how we're really all in this journey. I don't know, I'd have to really think, I don't know that I've ever been to one of those dinners where there wasn't a point where a lot of people were simply in tears. And these are not necessarily all crying kind of folk. <laughs> you know, these, are, these are people just like you, just like me. And yet there's something so moving when we start to see that freedom. And literally, folks, now, now just, and again, it's nuance. I wish I just had better language. I always feel like I never have great language. But this is just my stab at it. That's why when, it, when we started being in the service, we talked about the freedom to be. And, and you go into these groups and you experience the freedom to be. Like, this is, this is where we are today. This is where our family is today. This is where our relationship is today. This is where our jobs are today. This is where they are. And we're really able to share that at a deep level. It's amazing how inevitably it gets pulled back into something incredibly beautiful and incredibly positive. The group consciousness, the conscience of the group, simply poop, pulls it back. It's really remarkable to watch. Those rituals, folks, you can have them with meditation. You could have them by yourself. You'd have a, a walking meditation. You could do it any number of ways, but I think it's something that we, we need to get down in our life and just think, okay, how am I going to pull this idea of a first note, a first violinist, how am I going to kind of tune my instrument to that? Because, folks, once we start to get that, it's a different kind of freedom. 
And again, it's a different kind of freedom when we start to see how much the human condition is. It's, it's no longer this, this individualized freedom, that's my individualized freedom to run the world exactly the way I want. No, it becomes this much more corporate thing where we're all supporting each other's freedom. Think about that. Some of you right now are sitting beside the people you love the most in the whole world. What does it look like to support their freedom? Not just support everything they want, <laughs> necessarily. There might be times for that, but, but what does it look like to sit beside a loved one and to really think, yeah, how can I support their truest form of freedom? Whew. What a different way to have relationship. Because if you ask that question, it can't be about control anymore. It can only be about love. Because we all have such different journeys. I want to show you an extraordinary video that speaks just to that very fact. This video went viral probably six or seven years ago, pre-COVID. But it's a great video for just remembering, again, that kind of freedom we experience when we get that we're all in it together, when we are all in it together. Enjoy the video. That is an incredible video. I think that's so much of life, right? And the, can you hear what they hear? Can you see what they see? Can you feel what they feel? That's, that's so much what freedom really looks like. And it's where we're free just of the bondage of self. And we're really open to others. We're really open to the world. And that doesn't mean, of course, that we're not open to pain. How many of us got a little teary watching, watching that? You better all raise your hands. You know, I certainly did. And I've seen it a bunch. But that's where freedom lies, folks. That's where freedom lies. Enjoy our next song. Inside of my mind 
Beautiful, and I love, I love that idea of, of what flows in our veins. You know, what is, what is flowing through us? It just reminds me of this beautiful little ditty about how the spiritual life works. You know, we start life, everything's happening to us. That's known as the victim. By us, that's known as a little, little narcissism. We believe we can do everything to us. Then we believe everything is done by us. Then we start to get, oh, it's really all happening through us. And that's where God starts to move through. That's that flow. That's what's flowing in our veins. And then we get to this beautiful last stage, the angelic stage, which is where we understand that it is now as us. That those higher angels of our nature, those are how we are doing life. Without a lot of thought. It's interesting, folks, again, this question, what is a life worth living? What is a life worth living? I want to answer that question really simply, yours. <laughs> yours. The life you have right now, totally worth living, which is why you're here living it. Just live that life. Trust that, that God's gonna put the people and the circumstances in front of you where you can start to do something. You can start to be an agent of love in those circumstances and see if you can maybe pick just a few ways to ritualize it, just a few ways, a few little things that help you again and again just to come to that first note. I love the, in case you can't tell, I love the idea of the first violin. It's like, find that in your life. Find what that is for you. Get tuned into that. It will be about God. It'll be about the better angels of your nature, inevitably. And it'll help you to live life in a, in a way that where you're actually, in the end, much more free. Much more free. Now, you know, to help with some of those things, some of those little, little pieces you might be interested in, and again, they're not going to be for everybody. I don't want to be prescriptive that way at all is next week, June 4th, we're gonna have a, have a special sign up towards the end of church where, where you can sign up. We have, we have some small group things coming up. We have some service things coming up. We have some other things coming up. We can sign up to just, just take, a, just take a, a stab at sort of a next level of engagement if that's what you're looking for. 
a way that maybe could help you find a little obligation that may help you find a little freedom in your life, a little joy, as well as a lot of fellowship. We start to understand that we're all in it together. There's power in that. There's power in that, friends. And a little bit of an aside, too, is, is I think churches, synagogues, mosques, at their best, they can be part of that first violin. But the beautiful part of the, the first note, I think, the first violinist in terms of church is it's not the pastor, it's everybody together. That's how that first note gets cast. And what a beautiful note that is. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you for joining us this week or joining us on Wednesday morning on your commute. Doesn't matter. We know a lot of people join us at different times during the week. Just thank you. We're grateful for your support. We're grateful that you help all of us to get that first note every week. I mean, I think probably most of you know this. You know, Sunday, the Christian Sabbath, it shifted from the Sabbath of old, which was Saturday, which was how you ended the week, to the new Sabbath, which is all about how you begin a week. So friends, I'm wishing you all the very best this week. May you have a week of freedom. <laughs> may you have a week with a great party sometime this weekend. And may you just have a weekend again where you just find that joy, that hope, and that freedom, not as the byproduct of a lot of different things, but as the source, the source that God is working in your life through. So thank you for being with us today. What we're gonna do now, friends, is, is now I'm gonna offer a little prayer. I'm gonna offer a little prayer. Uh, we're gonna say the Our Father prayer as, as we do it here in the Christian New Church tradition, and then we'll do a little blessing and we'll have our final song. So please join me. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today as always. We thank you for the ability that we have to live freely. That that really is, that really is one of your most significant, beautiful gifts and, and love and freedom. Maybe just are interchangeable words for many of us. That we are free when we truly love and that when we love, we are truly free. Help us, Lord, to live through that lens this week, through that movement this week, allowing us to reach out and embrace others no matter where they are and understanding freedom in that much deeper way. Not that it's freedom to blah, 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 but freedom from, freedom from fear, anxiety, jealousy, worry, concern, that yields a very different freedom too, because that's the freedom to love. Thank you, Lord. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home, amen.
fettered and free no constrictions in this reality my spirit is free all imitations live in my mind nothing can hold me back in space and in time my spirit is flowing my spirit is free spirit is free Thank you, everybody. Be free. Enjoy this weekend.